Hello there, fellow warriors. I hope you're doing great. Today, I thought we should have a little chat about breaking the hold your feelings have over you. So feelings are tricky, aren't they? I mean, it seems as if we have this brain in our head and these feelings somewhere else in our body, and the two of them aren't communicating very well. Now, I like to say that your thoughts, everything starts with your thoughts. So really, your thoughts kind of should be controlling your life for the most part. But having said that, I completely understand, acknowledge, and know firsthand that feelings are very powerful and they can come out of nowhere. A memory can flash through your mind and, and suddenly you're feeling something. It just out of nowhere. A sound. It could be music. I know sometimes when I hear certain music from back in the 70s when I was in my high school days, and it will transport me back in a moment. I mean, I'm at the exact place on that summer day. It could be smell. Every now and then there's a scent. And it just instantly, I think of my Nana. And my Nana's been gone for many, many years. But I mean, it is like I'm there with her. So I get this. I get that they can come out of nowhere. However, we can control our feelings most of the time. And when I say control, I'm not trying to, to suggest that you don't acknowledge them. It's quite the opposite. So hang on here with me and I'll get all of this to come around and make sense. Feelings are good, okay? Even sadness. We need to feel sadness sometimes. Every now and then we need to have a flash of anger because that might cause us to act. It, it may cause us to make some changes in our lives. We do need to feel. We need to feel all of our emotions. But it becomes problematic when certain feelings are running the show. And many of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, especially if all hell has broken loose, if the you-know-what's hit the fan, if you've been riding that roller coaster from hell, if you've got your beast on top of you whispering in your ear and screaming in your face, Somebody you love is on a bad road. I get it. Boy, it is so difficult to not allow the feelings to be in charge. But it be can become a big problem when we're constantly saying, I feel this, I feel that, I feel this. Like the feelings are in control. So we need to acknowledge our feelings absolutely 100%. But everything starts with or ends with our thoughts. So even if feelings come out of nowhere, even if we have those moments, we get to decide. You know, and I, I use decide a lot. You'll hear me say that a lot. And my nine weapons of hope, which we will be introducing very, very soon as part of our memberships, the very first one actually is decide. It's your decisions. It's all about you making those decisions and those commitments. Because that's really where it begins, right? Anything we do or say or don't do or don't say starts with a decision, starts with something that we think. So when those, so let, right, we acknowledge that sometimes these feelings come out of nowhere and they seem to overtake us. But here's the situation. Here's really what you have to decide. Are those feelings here for a visit or are they moving in permanently? That's what you've got to think about. That's why it's so critical for us to keep working on our emotional and mental strength. 
It's why I talk about this kind of stuff all the time. It's why I developed the nine weapons of hope. I completely understand that life can often become a journey you never anticipated or imagined, even in your worst nightmares. That's certainly what happened to me. I mean, some of this stuff in my world that is now my reality, really murder trials and and addiction and all the stuff. No, 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 no. That was not part of my plan. It wasn't even part of my, oh, oops, you know, this will be my plan B and we'll get back on track. It was nowhere in the stratosphere of my thinking, of my goals, of my thoughts about my future, my life, my children, my family. Never at all. So if this is you, I've been there. I get it. So I am coming from that perspective. You know, if this is this is what has happened to you, if life is just in a completely different place. First of all, I'm going to have to tell you that I don't have an answer for that. I don't know why. This is why I developed the some things don't make sense file. I put my daughter's addiction in that file. I put her murder in that file. I put a lot of things that have occurred in my life through my entire 59 years. I put a lot of things in that some things don't make sense file because I'm a thinker. I'm a bottom line person. I can figure stuff out. I'm so capable at solving problems. And there are so many of these things in my life that I don't have an answer for. And rather than driving myself batty, I put them in the some things don't make sense file. And that might be one of the first things that you need to do to gain control over these feelings running your life. Stick some stuff in that some things don't make sense file. It doesn't mean you still don't have to deal with it. It doesn't mean it's not part of your reality, but at least you can quit beating yourself up trying to figure out why. Even if you have found yourself in a place you never imagined, you can and should decide how to navigate this new path you're on. You can. You can even alter your course. You can even get on a different path, even with the reality of the situation you're dealing with. I have learned, here's something that might give you a, you know, a a really big tip here. And it is that I have learned to honor the hole in my heart because I do have a permanent hole in my heart with the loss of my daughter, Jamie, but I honor it when it needs attention. I give it attention without being swallowed up by it. That is the key. You have to understand the old me Remember, I wanted to control things. Actually, here's the deal. The old me didn't even cry in front of people. The old me didn't want to deal with feelings. The old me learned from an early age as a child with hardship and sadness and and loss and disappointment and, and even betrayal from an early age. I had that kind of like, you know, F you attitude. I mean, you know, maybe it wasn't that direct all the time from an early age, but it was kind of that was my protection mechanism was, yeah, who cares? Don't need it, you know, and I would just try not to think about things. I would try not to deal with my emotions or my feelings. I'm not suggesting that. I think that's not a good idea, but I thought that was strength. I probably actually didn't think about it much. I was just trying to survive. And I didn't know, I didn't have any other tools. I didn't have the nine weapons of hope. I didn't, you know, know what I know now. And so I would just try not to think about my problems. I would not tell people. I would pretend everything was okay. And if you had asked me, yes, I would have said that is strength. 
but I've learned that's not true. Strength is allowing the hole to have some attention. It's allowing those feelings to come in. It's feeling them. It reminds me of leading up to Jamie's five-year anniversary of her murder, and we were having a party on that day, and we have learned to rewire our brains so that the day is pretty cool. But there were a lot of those, you know, emotions coming out of nowhere in the days leading up to it. And in the past, I would have tried to just not think about it. I would have just tried to not look at her pictures, not have things around. As a matter of fact, I did that a lot in my 13 years where I was riding my roller coaster from hell before I, you know, came out of the darkness when Jamie was really lost in the belly of her beast. I um, really just didn't even want her pictures around. It, that was my way of, of coping. And I'm not saying that's wrong if that's what you're doing, by the way, at all. I mean, who knows the right way to cope this kind of a thing. But that, but I, I guess I just didn't want to cry. I, did, I felt like I was afraid. What if I'd never stopped crying? Because I didn't have this uh, emotional maturity that I do now. I didn't have this mental strength that I have, even spiritual development. And so, you know, that's how I dealt with it. Now I understand that I know I'm not going to crawl back in that hole because I've learned too much. I've come too far. I've crossed, you know, out of victim land. And I'm not going back there. I don't let the beast come. I don't invite him into my house anymore. I recognize him for who he is. He can dress up however he wants. And, you know, like they say, what is it? You can't put lipstick on a pig? Yeah. That, you know, beast, I recognize you. Now, but I acknowledge my sadness and my loss. I just don't allow myself to be consumed by it. So I give myself the time I need. You know, and I can't tell you how much time that is. I cannot tell you at all. You know, most of the time for me, it's like 10 minutes. You know, occasionally, you know, I think leading up to Jamie's five-year anniversary, there was a day where there was a period where it was an hour of, and I cried for probably a half an hour. So that's okay. But then I, you know, I got back up. So the thing is too, is that our feelings affect our moods, right? I mean, they affect our mood. So if you're going to allow these, these sad feelings, these feelings of regret or shame or guilt or sadness, or despair, whatever it is, if you're going to allow them to consume your life, they're going to take over your mood, and you're going to be in a bad mood a lot. In fact, the next podcast episode is all about getting out of a bad mood. You're going to want to tune into that. And, and it'll affect your attitude. So now it affects your perception on things, what you focus on, how you focus on it, how you view yourself, your life, your world, and other people's lives and their worlds. All of it becomes impacted. And then the biggie, your feelings, if they're going to control your life, affect your actions, what you do. And that's huge, my friend, because people are watching us. And so that brings me to really my last point. That our feelings don't just affect us. It's not just about how you feel. You have an impact on other people. You'll hear me say this all the time. You are leaving a legacy right now. Even if you're not thinking about it, even if you don't even care about it right now, even if you haven't even given it two thoughts, even if you thought legacy was something different, that only, you know, certain special people with a big story or something or some invention or a, a lot of money and property or something, those people leave legacies, not you, not me, not true. 
every single one of us is imprinting ourselves on other people. We are helping to change other people's DNA one way or another. And then they're doing the same with others and the same with others. A little piece of you is going to live on in this world forever. This doesn't mean you got to be on all the time. I'm not. But the overarching impact that you have on the people around you is so critically important that you cannot afford to crawl into that hole of emotions, that hole of sad feelings, that hole of despair, those feelings of shame and guilt and unworthiness, anger, disappointment. You can't afford to stay there. You just can't. Somebody is relying on you, even if they don't realize that somebody needs that imprint of you, that a credible person. And by the way, one of the reasons that you're so incredible is because you've been through hardship. It is valuable as heck. But it's not going to be of value to anybody if you aren't able to come out of it. If you aren't able to learn how to stand strong and stand up and overcome and tell your beast goodbye. That's what I want for you. I want it so badly for you because I have been where you are. And I know how it feels to feel hopeless and helpless, to live in paralyzing fear, to feel devastated, to not have any hope for the future. And I also know what it feels like to have the same stuff going on in my life, but for me to be different. And then my life got even worse. I mean, the stuff around me got worse. Murder, murder, legal system, murder, trial. Well, we haven't even got there yet. Five years, we're not even to the murder trial yet. All this stuff is going on. Yet I'm so much better. So whatever is going on in your life, there's not a question in my mind. Whether it's big or small, nobody needs to compare beasts. I'm not here for you to compare yours to mine or mine to yours or yours to anybody else's. That's not right. I just tell you a lot about my story because it's my perspective and it has obviously a great deal to do with my thinking and the, what I teach, you know, the wisdom that I try to impart. We don't need to compare. No matter how big or how small, you can do this. You can overcome you can even learn to disrupt your trauma for good. I love that slogan we came up with because it is not just about disrupting our trauma. I mean, you know, like disrupting the negative patterns, disrupting the, the uh, negative impact it has in our lives. It's not just about doing that for good forever. It's all about doing it for good, using it for good. So do this with me, link arms with me and decide that today you will honor your feelings without allowing them to stay too long or to consume you. Your feelings are visitors. They get to come, but they don't, many of them don't get to stay. Link arms with me. Let's stand together. Let's be somebody's shining light. At least one person out there needs you to be that shining light that helps them, that gives them hope that they too can stand up and walk out of the darkness. Whatever you're going through, wherever you are today, you need to know you're not alone. I'm standing right there.
with you. Mm-hmm.